Amen. So if you want to have a, if you don't have your Bible ready, uh, you can do get it ready now. We're turning to page one in the second set of page numbers to Matthew chapter two. Verses 1 to 12. Hopefully this is uh, familiar to you because we do this, this story every year. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, Where is the child who was born king of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all of the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, And Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people, Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word, so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then opening their treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. This is the word of the Lord. So in those past years when we have looked at this story, we have considered how this story shows us that the coming of Jesus Christ, that the work of God to preserve his people is good news for the whole world. That people of every tribe, every nation, every tongue belong in the family of God. We've looked at how the Magi's experience of general revelation, of creation, led them on a journey that brought them to the word of God, to the Holy Scriptures, which is special revelation, which then further brought them into an encounter with Jesus himself. A journey that people continue to experience today. And last year we spent quite a bit of time thinking about how this was for Herod the Great. And you can still listen to that sermon on the website. I listened to it again this week. It's still pretty good. (laughs) About how Herod in this moment is being invited to encounter the truth of God that the Magi are bringing to him. As well as maybe being put on notice that his power and his place and his kingdom 
is not the way of God. We're going to continue in wondering about those kinds of things today. And I'm going to use this this idea that Augustine wrote about. The saint who lived a long time ago, but who has shaped a lot of Christian thought today. And his own reflection on his own journey to discovering the truth about God, he wrote, Where I have sought the truth, there I have found my God, the truth itself. Where I have sought the truth, there I have found my God, the truth itself. God as truth itself. For both Magi, both the Magi and Herod, are on a search for truth. The Magi begin this search with stuff that they know. So the Magi are these people who scripture in almost every other place tells us are not the people to follow, who are looked down upon because of the way in which they go about following the signs of this world. They're a mix of astronomers and astrologers. It's the best picture that we can have. The word magi is actually the root of the word magician that we have today. Yet they begin their search from a truth that they see and that they understand. And then they go to Herod who also wants to know the truth of the situation, who gathers all of the scribes and the religious knowledge holders of the time together to to understand what this peace that the Magi have brought to him is. So let's back up for a second and think a little bit more about the Magi's search for truth. In this story of the Magi, we see... Scripture coming to life. And the story of the Magi who look up into the stars and see a sign from God that is worth investigating and exploring and following, we see the heavens declaring the glory of God. We see what Paul talks about in his letter to the Romans, that in this created world, there is enough to draw our attention to the fact that there is more than just us. That there is a creator. That there is someone who is all-powerful and almighty that we are to seek and to find. That the heavens are God's handiwork. God's communication of messages of love and purpose. Did he not tell Abraham that his children would be as numerous as the stars in the sky or the grains in the sand? Did he not use nature to draw attention and tell stories about himself? Jesus himself did this during our Advent series. He talked about the fig tree and the coming of spring. God uses everything that he has made as a communication tool of his purposes in this world. And so the Magi see this sign that they understand to mean something. And they go on a journey to find it. In itself, 
fulfilling another scriptural picture of the nations being gathered by the coming of Jesus Christ. Jesus, later on in his life, will say, Ask, and it will be given. Search, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. And his teaching about prayer. And that's exactly what we see happening for the Magi, who have started on this journey that we know has come from God, who put this sign there for them to see. They ask, who, where is this child who's born king of the Jews? And they find out the answer. They go searching for him and they find him. And when they proverbially knock by showing up with their gifts, the door is opened and they are welcomed into the presence of the baby king. And what do they do? Our, our scripture passage describes it as being as kneeling down and paying him homage. But another way that the Greek could be translated, and perhaps the way that your Bible describes it, is that they fell on their faces and worshipped him. They fell on their faces and worshipped him. This encounter with Jesus Christ, even as a baby, like John dancing in his mother's womb, leads them to this overwhelming joy of something they don't fully understand. But no is the answer to their seeking and their searching. No is the answer to this guidance that they have been following for such a long time. And they continue to listen to that one who speaks in creation and speaks in dreams because then they're told to not go back to Herod, to not trust that earthly king, but to go home another way. And they do it. And yet Herod the Great does not have the openness of the Magi. Herod the Great, when he encounters this search for truth, seeks his own truth, and instead of finding God in Jesus Christ, he finds a little g-god in himself. His search for truth leads him not to God, but he chooses to stay where he is with himself as his God. Because the truth that Herod encounters is too disruptive to his kingdom. The truth that is being offered to him about the king who has been born that will be the true shepherd, God's idea of what a king should be like, is too much change, too much sacrifice for Herod the Great, who has built his entire existence on being the most well-known, of being the one who is feared, of being the one who is in control, of having all greatness at his name, at his beck and call. Dale Bruner, who has a commentary on the book of Matthew, tells us that we are more like Herod than we accept. 
that when the truth that is brought to us as well as the truth that we seek proves to be too disruptive to the lies that we have built our life upon, we are all too often ready and willing to choose the lie rather than find God, the truth itself. Because the lie has become what has become familiar to us. And the truth is too unfamiliar. Herod the Great has no care at all for the search that the Magis are on, for their journey. He only cares what it means for him. And in this way, too, we are like Herod when we encounter people who are on their search for truth and have not reached the same knowledge of Jesus as us. We become more concerned with what their journey means for our own faith than we are curious about how God has brought them to that place and how we might give them the words of truth how we might introduce them to the person of Jesus, how we might bring them further along in that journey from the general revelation of creation and what we can figure out on our own to the words of Scripture to encountering the person of Jesus himself. Because that too is what Herod is being invited to, but he finds too disruptive for himself and his faith. Because market, Herod claimed to be a believer. In both of these cases, in both the Magi's search for truth and, and the Herod's search for truth, of finding truth, of encountering God, their lives are disrupted. The Magi have traveled far, they have worshipped, they have changed their way home. We don't know what happens to them once they get back home, but we know that this encounter has marked them and is disruptive to their very understanding of the world. And Herod is invited to that same disruption. And yet, what does he do? Instead of wondering, where is God in this? What of God is here? Herod double downs, doubles down. Herod seeks to shut it down. Herod chooses to live further into his lies. Choosing not life, but death. His own death, but also the death of others, the death of innocent children. When you read on in this story, we hear the awful tale of how Jesus and his family escaped to Egypt because Herod has decided to kill every boy that has been born in the Bethlehem area in the last two years, hearing from the Magi when the star was to appear. And just as Mary ushers in this choosing of life for the good of the nations instead of death. When Herod is given the same invitation, 
he chooses death. Herod is no shepherd. Herod is concerned about keeping things the way he wants them to be. And who doesn't want that, huh? And yet Mary's song we heard last month, Mary's song is that the one who is to come, the one whom she gives birth to, is the one who says to the powers and the practices of this world, you shall not be. And yet, John the Baptist said, prepare the way of the Lord. And that preparation begins internally and leads to external results. That that work of repentance of turning inwardly to a new attitude, a new lifestyle, a new practice, has benefits for the good of the world. And yet... Herod's fear also has, has consequences for what he does. The inward control of his fear and his terror leads him to take further advantage of God's people. And we see that the Magi looked up that first message of Advent looked up and saw, stood up and did something. They went looking. God meets them in this profession and this job that the people of God would say, you can't do that. and speaks to them in ways that they understand and can start on the journey. They become agents of God's good news. They become people of the kingdom in a way of life and a job that doesn't look like it belongs in the kingdom. God defies all of our expectations and shows his heart to gather the people into his presence by his willingness and his mercy and his grace to meet us wherever we are and whatever we're doing. In every issue of the Christianity Today magazine, at the very back, the very last article, is always a testimony, a story about people in dark places, dark jobs, dark situations encounter the relentlessness of Jesus Christ, who finally sought the truth and found God, the truth itself. So stand up, lift up your heads, be on your guard, so that the coming of Christ, the continuous coming of Christ to his people, whether they know they're his people or not, does not catch you off guard like a trap. 
For when Herod hears the truth, it's a trap to him, isn't it? It's a trap because it is not the life that he wants. It is a danger to the life that he has created. It is a danger to his very way of being. And it is the magi who see the journey, who follow the signs, who find God born and among us, who fall down and worship who don't see this coming of the king of the Jews as a child, as a trap, but sees it as God here among us right now. Continues today. It makes me wonder about my own response to Christ's continuous messages to me through the Spirit. But my own response, when I encounter people who are encountering the truth of God, no matter what stage of the journey they're on, in a way that is different than the way that I have, do I find it as a threat to my own faith? Or am I brave enough to seek what is of God in those places? Do I truly believe that all of us have been created with a search in us for the God who made us? Will I share what my encounter with the living Christ has done and been? Will I share the special revelation of Scripture with others who are on the road seeking? Will I look and celebrate the myriad of ways that the Holy Spirit is drawing out God's people to know and seek the truth? Or will I be afraid of what it means? Will I be judgmental of those disruptions for the sake of my own experience and holding it dear? Will I be willing to learn alongside so that I might give God glory and praise and help someone go home a different way? This is what it means for us to hold our faith in a pluralistic society where people's motivations and motives are are all kinds, including our own, but where people are still searching for the truth. Where magi still seek him. And where we know the promise of God is that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that he is Lord. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, for the ways that we've made our religion its own trap, making us unable to recognize you as you come and speak to your people, we confess. 
for the ways in which we have made it more uh, the measure and starting point, the right knowledge of you, rather than the fact of recognizing that you have sent someone on a journey to find that you have been waiting for them. We confess. We confess for the ways in which when we have had you come, Holy Spirit, and convict us of our sins, we have chosen to ignore those convictions and be like Herod and try to protect our own kingdom rather than seeking your kingdom. We confess that we can find ourselves clinging to what is comfortable and what is known as what is acceptable and forget that you are the Almighty God who will do whatever you please to proclaim and to have your will be done, which is for the good of all people. And we confess that like Herod, we can choose not to act from a place of your love, but from a place of our own selfishness as we interact with other people. That being able to compare ourselves to other people's religions and faith journeys uh, gives us something to feel good about. And yet this is not of you. For all of those people are on a journey to seek the truth, and though they may be finding little g-gods, we pray that they will find you, the God. And we pray that as we continue to encounter the little g-gods of our own life, that we will know, as your scripture teaches us, that you are standing there at the ready as yourself. Standing there at the ready as the author and perfecter of our faith. Standing there at the ready as the one who understands all temptations. As the one who is the author and pioneer who will lead us into all perfection. So we pray that as we hear the call of your kingdom, as others see and hear the call of your kingdom, that you will continue to gather your people, that you will continue to see your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, and that we will be part of your work in spreading that call on earth. In your name we pray. Amen.